0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today.
1: Does the president talk to him on a daily basis? Because I think one of the things that surprised a lot of people, knowing what a tinderbox the Middle East is, Europe is, and the concern about China, was how
0: infrequently. There was direct contact between the White House and the Defense Secretary for that entire period of time at the end of December through January. There's routine regular communications between the President and the Secretary of Defense as, we well, as well as well the Secretary we, of State. We, uh, and and normally, like for instance, the some of the strikes we took on Christmas Day, Christmas night, and then a few days later were pre-approved. Secretary Austin was part of that discussion, he was part of the discussion from his hospital room when we took these strikes against these Houthi sites uh, just a couple nights ago. I mean, he's actively involved and engaged. uh, And I think it's important for people to remember that the cabinet officials don't have to sit and talk every single day to make every decision. A lot of the work that gets done in national security is done at the staff level. Right, but there is a chain of command here. Of course, and the commander-in-chief didn't know that his defense secretary was this ill. And that's a problem, and the president has spoken to that. That, that is not the way it's supposed to be. It's certainly uh, something we need to get more answers to, and the Pentagon's investigating this, and, and uh, we'll see what comes out of that. But that, that is not the way the process is supposed to work. What is to investigate? What possibly is to investigate? The Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, did not inform his boss, the President of the United States, that he was in a hospital and he was uh, uh, incapable of doing his job. By the way, Secretary Austin was released from the hospital today. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at tonycats.com. Uh, phone number 833 got Tony, 833 468 8669. And you do, tonycats.com, podcast, videos, everything is there. I gotta do some more videos today. That's, I gotta get that done. There's a lot to do. Uh, what, what is to research? What is to investigate? This is John Kirby, National Security uh, Council, just flat out lying. There's nothing to investigate here. If you are, I'm I'm not a I'm not a a guy in the in the military. But I certainly know that you inform your superior of when you're going to be indisposed, when you're going to be gone, otherwise you would be what's known as AWOL, absent without leave. You think that Lloyd Austin needs to be taught this? You're John Kirby, retired rear admiral from the United States Navy. You think there has to be an investigation? You should be demanding that Lloyd Austin is fired. This is crazy town. And all of this ties in well to what we were discussing earlier regarding uh, Yemen and the Houthi rebels. There is a complete and total lack of seriousness coming from the White House and coming from today's military because they do not stand for something. They do not hold a line. When you take a look at recruitment, Recruitment is down. We see it all over. Why is that? One of the stories uh, that we're seeing, Army sees sharp decline in white recruits. You okay with this? Is is, is it the reason um, that uh, A, you simply told uh, these young white men they're not welcome? You told them that they're the problem you told them that they're bigots, you told them that they are guilty for their existence, and that if they question it, that's just proof of their guilt. Is anybody going to discuss how flat out evil DEI is and how it infects everything it's a part of, how it's a disaster? And how if you are not engaged in a conversation about merit, but rather involved in a conversation about anything else, if you are engaged in an instruction in the military, not about killing the enemy and breaking things, but rather utilizing the military as an agent for social change, if the Secretary of Defense can be AWOL and the President does not fire him, what message does that send down the line? I'm not a military guy. You are. You tell me. You tell me, what does that say? Over at United Airlines, uh, you've got uh, Scott Kirby, who is the CEO of United, answering questions from from Axios military how is diversity and diversity targets working into the aviate academy we have committed that 50 percent of
1: the class of, of the classes will be women or people of color uh, today only 19 percent of our pilots at united airlines are women or people of color and by the way from all the data i've seen that's the highest of any airline in the country
0: White males don't just dominate in the cockpits, also in the
1: C-suite at United Airlines. Well, look, at United, I'm proud of the diversity that we actually have in our our C-suite. I think if you look around corporate America. Correct me if I'm saying, though, so this is just based off your website, the people you list as executives, but out of 11 people, three are women. I believe one is a person of color.
0: um,
1: That's correct. Um, But, you know, in corporate America, I think, you know. That's a low bar.
0: How do you raise your own bar?
1: Well, a lot of this is, you know, focusing on it. We have uh, programs to, one of the things we do is for every job when we do an interview, we require women and people of color to be involved in in the interview process, bringing people in early in their careers um, as well, uh, and giving them those opportunities uh, and creating a stronger band.
0: If you told me we are going to start teaching kids in all high schools, reaching out to them, black communities, Hispanic communities, et cetera, that being a pilot is an incredible career and there's a future here for you, you know what I'm gonna say? Smart. Smart outreach. Smart letting people know the options that they have. Good on you. If you're gonna tell me that your objective is having the diversified number of pilots as opposed to the best pilots, I'm gonna tell you you're crazy. Now the best pilots may all be Asian. They could all be gay. I don't know. I never asked whether or not my pilot was Asian or gay when I got on a plane. I asked the following two questions. Are they drunk? Are they good at their job? And so do you. Because if you've ever gone on a plane and said, by the way, the pilot, Asian, you're the weirdest human being ever. Uh, Pilot, Jewish, because I don't know about that. Maybe they'll want to land, maybe they won't, who knows? Maybe they'll be tired, it could be a thing. that No one, no one asked, no one cares. Are they drunk? Are they any good? Only two things the normal, rational human being gives a good, holy damn about. But these people, these people are demented the CEO of United Airlines, should be thrown out on his butt. But what do you expect when you see this as a headline? The Federal Aviation Administration actively actively recruiting workers who suffer severe intellectual disabilities. The headline, FAA's diversity push includes focus on hiring people with severe intellectual and psychiatric disabilities. Targeted disabilities are those disabilities that the federal government, as a matter of policy, has identified for special emphasis in recruitment and hiring. They include hearing, vision, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and dwarfism. Um, um, I swear to you... I don't know how dwarfism is attached to many of these other things. I would assume that the issue regarding dwarfism when flying a plane is being able to fully reach all of the controls. That would be about a physicality conversation that cannot be denied. Because I don't know how much you retrofit a plane in order to be able to have somebody with dwarfism be able to connect with everything they need to connect with. But if somebody has a psychiatric disability, maybe they shouldn't be near a plane. Maybe the correct answer is no, you're out. This idea of of we got to have a certain group of this, we got to have a certain group of that. This, this goes along something Jordan Peterson discusses, I think, re- remarkably well, and, and, and with, with, with rather uh, simplistic clarity. If you say to him or to anybody, well, the problem is, is that we've got all these men who are CEOs. We are not enough women who are CEOs, and we need equity to be able to balance that out. Well, do we need more women laying bricks? The vast majority of people who lay bricks in the United States are men. The vast majority of people who work construction are men. How come there's never a conversation regarding equity when it comes to physical labor? And usually what happens is people say, oh, get serious. No, that's the only serious conversation. If you actually believe in a thing, you want the thing everywhere. But you don't want it everywhere. You only want it in certain places. So you don't actually believe in the thing that you're claiming to be about. Let me say it differently in a a way that very few other people uh, will. This idea that the uh, the CEO of United is putting together about basically a, a quota system, right? That's what he's talking about. A quota system. You have a certain amount of people who look like this and look like that and look like this and do this and do that and believe that and say that. Is this also true of the NBA? The NBA is a predominantly black league, black players. It is. And there are a multiplicity of reasons for this. But is anybody really suggesting that in order to have a league that's more equitable, you have to sit LeBron James and replace him with somebody who's white. And if nobody is seriously suggesting this, is it because to make that suggestion seriously would actually get one attacked because the equity is not actually an honest conversation. It is a tool utilized by the world of DEI to engage the attack to engage the division, to engage the destruction. Be clear, DEI destroys everything it touches. It is hate. It teaches hate. And the people who engage it, the people who claim to be practitioners of it, they are practitioners of hate. I used to say that they may be lovely people, but what they're doing, now, nah, they're not lovely people. I believe at this stage of the game, they're in on the grift. They're in on it. If you really believe that one should have equity, a certain percentage of this, certain percentage of this, certain percentage of this, certain percentage of this, how come you don't believe it on a professional sports team? NFL? We, we don't believe Hockey? See, I go the other way with it. You said you wanted the thing. I'm applying it to everything. Soccer? Name it. The chess club. The chess club should be dominated by people who are good at chess. That's who it should be dominated by. That's better. You know why? Because it's important to know sometimes you're not good at chess, that there is somebody better than you, and we recognize it. When it comes to football, Sometimes there's somebody bigger, stronger, or faster, or more capable of reading a defense, or more capable of understanding where the wide receiver is going to go so they can cut in front of them and get the interception. And that's the guy we take. You simply don't have what it takes. No participation trophy. That's the way it is. If I were you, I would look for another career. Sorry, Pilot, want-to-be, but um, you are having psychotic breaks while in the simulator, and that's not gonna work when you're carrying 182 souls on board our plane. So no, you don't get to be a pilot. Only certain people can be pilots, and it's okay. It's okay that only certain people can be pilots. And it is okay to tell somebody, yes, You're not ready for this. You can't do this. This job isn't for you. Which is exactly what Joe Biden should have told Lloyd Austin. We have to investigate what happened. What happened is Lloyd Austin didn't explain to his boss where he was. The most basic concepts within the idea of the chain of command. And not firing him says to those underneath them, which is everybody, we are an unserious organization, this U.S. military. We don't have a standard. But we do have a class on wokeness coming. So make sure you attend because that class is mandatory. This is Tony Katz today. Yeah, because it's it's Martin Luther King Day observed, so it's, it, it, yeah, the, 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 the market is not going down today. That's what I thought. I wasn't sure if that's what I thought. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Google with layoffs. Citigroup, 20,000 layoffs. That's a That's a lot of layoffs. That's like 10% of their workforce outside of Mexico. I didn't know this. They have, they have like 39,000 employees in Mexico. I, I, I was not aware uh, of that. But this is the interesting number. Biden raised $97 million in the fourth quarter. So they've got $117 million in the war chest along with of course the power of the presidency to make any statement they, they, they choose um fascinating fascinating when you consider that the guy isn't going to be on the ticket if you didn't see him in um, Pennsylvania at the coffee shop, Sarah do we have that stuff up at com? do we have the the video of him in the coffee shop where he clearly doesn't know where he's going he has to be directed there by someone who's giving him a tour he's talking to this young girl who has no interest in talking to him at all he is the creepiest creepiest dude wouldn't let him near my wife never mind kids i'm sorry i mean i've now spoken to a couple people who know more than i do who think that it is absolutely possible if not downright probable that Biden is on the ticket because it is hard to remove a sitting president if he or she, I guess in the future, doesn't want to go. Very hard to move. I don't see this as that hard. I, 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 they got to move him out. They have to move him out. Just saying, I think that's the honest answer, but that's a fair amount of loot, right? more than you would think for a guy who is just not uh not looked at as somebody who you have a lot of faith in, so I thought it was a really interesting number, very interesting number. Uh, Polling has Biden under 40% or at 40% for polls taken in November. Um, But if he's raising money, that's kind of fascinating. But I guess uh, maybe it doesn't matter because, of course, he's not going to debate. I have been saying this. Anybody think that Joe Biden, if he's a nominee, is going to engage in any debates, whether it's Trump or anybody else? Because he's not going to debate at all. This is Tony Katz today. NFL wild card weekend, and there were some wild card stunners. But if I don't start with this. This almost schizophrenic IU men's basketball team. I mean, I could say the same about Purdue, except I don't know. I I, I, th- I take a look at that Nebraska loss, and I say it, it. sometimes a loss happens. Get back on the horse and keep on going. I, I, I just think people are like, oh, wow, they lost, but they don't even lost faith in the team. I don't know if that's so true about IU. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. JMV joins us. He is the voice of sports in Indiana from ninety-three five one oh seven five uh the the fan uh, let, let's talk just really quick about uh Purdue right there. That loss to Nebraska then they come back with the win uh just the other uh just the other day. Um this, this Nebraska loss to you is is this a is this a sign of, of an issue or is this a sign of ah eh, sometimes you just don't play your best ball. Well Nebraska's red
1: hot or had been red hot up until that point tony this past tuesday um the problem is i I would agree yeah it's just kind of a blip on the radar but i'm the only one that probably brings it up or like media members because purdue fans are staked out they're not going to punch a clock on purdue until they get to the ncaa tournament because that's where the expectations ride and that comes with last year when they were miserable in round number one it got bounced out by fairly dickinson and felt embarrassed fan base did they did all of that so mind you i look at it this way man you, you want to win that you, you want to be able to take care even if again talking about a hot team playing at home like nebraska um but yeah it is one of those games where you can consider the talent produce still has and you move on but they do have a couple of losses tony in the big 10 right now and Hit IU coming up tomorrow night to see if uh, the Hoosiers can continue their Jekyll and Hyde play at home and away from, from uh, Bloomington.
0: Right, and speaking of of, of IU, I, th- I think the, the the feel is is very different. As I talk to people and as I look around, the nice win against Minnesota, seventy four sixty two, a convincing win, but there's nobody who I have spoken to or has discussed it who doesn't look at that Rutgers loss at Rutgers and say. Uh, that's uglier than the score 66-57 really showed.
1: Yeah, it was bad. It was. That bad it had a lot, a lot of hot you people, including former players, kind of rallying a little bit, wondering where this group is. I can tell you right now where this group is. Uh, it, it's two levels here uh, with the importance of tomorrow night's game against actually three if you want to get down to it. But one is they're just completely different at home than they are on the road. If you're looking around college basketball, Tony, and you're looking for you know the biggest home court advantage, I think high in that argument or maybe the argument is that of Assembly Hall and Bloomington. They are just Jekyll and Hyde compared to when they play in Bloomington and when they are on the road. Now, granted, there are a lot of teams like that. Purdue's got a great built-in home court advantage, too, with Mackey. There are a lot of them out there. But this IU team just is really stratospherically different at home than they are on the road. So you start right there. The other thing is quality of wins to try to get into this NCAA tournament. They have zero. They have nothing right now. A big donut hole. They need to cobble together a win at home against Purdue just to stake a claim for the possibility right now of being conversational when you're talking about the NCAA tournament. So that's that's the second one. And the third is, just simply put, they have had recent history success over Purdue. So, you know, look back to last year. Now, it was different. You had Trace Jackson Davis. You had, you know, Hood Shafino, who was awesome in the Mackey Arena last year, if you remember shooting the basketball. But it is just the rivalry of it all. So, this really is meaningful for IU in terms of finally putting something on the resume that's big in terms of talking about a possibility of the NCAA tournament. uh, For the Boilermakers, you just want to be playing consistently good basketball. You didn't really see that against Nebraska. You saw that, their dominance against Penn State over the weekend. It's going to be more about for their fan base, certainly what happens in March.
0: Talking to JMV is the voice of sports in Indiana. We leave college, we head to the pros, we take a look. At the Pacers, another team of Jekyll and Hyde proportion. Twenty-three and sixteen is the record, which might be better than you thought it, it it would be at this stage of the game. But but take a look at some parts of this record. You beat the Bucks. They've had the Bucks number all season. You beat the Celtics. You beat the Heat. You lose to the Heat. You lose to the Trailblazers. And the Trailblazers is a game I I think you should have won. You're only losing by four there. Is it just move on this path, move on this pattern? You'll get to some level of the playoffs, and you'll be out in the first round. And people can say, "Oh, that was nice." Is this is this the the is this the Pacers? Yeah, yeah.
1: You it's funny, Tony. You mentioned those those early season losses, for example, back in November. That was a bad one at Portland. Um, I'd like to think that this team is different all the way around now than it was then. However. What you saw yesterday in their loss to the defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets in Denver was a team where you could tell you missed Tyrese Halliburton. And that's a game that they possibly win yesterday on the road against Denver if Halliburton is playing. And really, I mean, you could tag that to any game they're playing in which he is not and they end up losing. But no Smith, no Halliburton, that made that highly difficult. I thought that they maintained contact with the Nuggets I thought they played as as well as you could. There are moments where you knock down a three here or there, and it could have been closer. But here's what I want you to watch. This team without Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton is the single most important player to his team in the NBA. He makes everybody across the board, Tony, on this Pacer team better, and you can see without him offensively, they're just a half step or so behind. I'll give you a great example. I used this, this example the other day. Miles Turner. High ball screen, Halliburton is the guy with the ball. High ball screen, Miles, he ducks in. He slips that screen, goes down. He's looking for a pass for Halliburton. And nothing against Bruce Brown or nothing against anybody else, Nimhart, that's running it. But it's just not the same. You kind of think you're not going to end up getting it. And you watch the dribble handoff game offensively. Oftentimes yesterday it was a bit of a mess. It is just so stratospherically different without him and you can tell this road trip for the Pacers is all about surviving. They got that first one against Atlanta. They lose yesterday. You have the toughest back-to-back in the NBA on the road when you go from Mountain Time Zone to Mountain Time Zone, Denver to Utah and Salt Lake City later on tonight. This is about surviving without Tyrese Halliburton and hoping he comes back sooner rather than
0: later. So first things first, I read my schedule backwards. I was sharing with you the start of the season. Here's the last couple of, uh, of games. And th- the reason I had brought this up, right, you have those the losses against the Grizzlies and the Magic, and then you go on this crazy win streak, six games. Then you lose to the Celtics, beat the Celtics. You beat the Wizards, you beat the Hawks, but you lose to the Nuggets. My point was was that uh, this team has shown that it has capability and possibility. Certainly, you mentioned the Halliburton uh, injury and how they're going to adapt long-term with with, with any of that. But you still get the feel that while this team is super exciting, I think that the fans dig it, you don't know, at the end of the day, a standard... That they're going to to hold to you don't I, I don't feel anybody saying well the Pacers are going to give you this every single night am I off base on that? Well, I will say this:
1: I read what you were saying when you were when you were talking about. It. I completely understood what you were talking about, even if you have the schedule backwards. I I just kind of think that compared to what you were talking about, and now this is a much different team. You're not going to see it in terms of that transformation yesterday because there's no Halliburton. I just think this team, you saw that after that skid, Tony, in that in season tournament after they lost to the Lakers. You know, they went through some tough times, and then we really wondered, but they have regained that level of play and that confidence. Unfortunately, Halliburton gets injured, and they're just not going to be the same team. Again, I just hope they survive this and he comes back quicker than what we thought. But I, I do, I believe more in this team and the way that it's playing now, certainly than those moments in which you describe early on the season. One is when when they changed up the lineup and put Jalen Smith in the starting lineup, I think that helped everybody out. And then also Obi Toppin who goes as a starter to the bench has come off the bench. And since that point in time has shot the three, a lot better, has been more of a threat with that second group. I just think, that without Halliburton, it's tough to judge their growth right now. But with him, I think you see it. And, again, when you're talking about tonight in Salt Lake City or going to Sacramento or ending up in Phoenix, and, Tony, even when they get back, when they get back, you're going to end up seeing Philadelphia. You're going to end up seeing Phoenix again. Uh, It's not going to get any easier when you get back, and it's really historically tough coming off a long road trip to win that first game when you're back at home it is going to be difficult. You just have to cross your fingers and hope that Halliburton is back. Because, again, the most important player in the NBA to his team, and I don't care who we're talking about, Embiid, Giannis, whomever, the most important player to his team to get them to play at their highest level is Tyrese Halliburton, and we have seen that. You certainly noticed that when he's not participating due to injury.
0: And this, you know, is, is so much of my point that – the the Pacers could go on a four-game losing skid as easily as they can go on a six-game winning uh, streak. And, and I don't know if there's anybody who is really feeling like, okay, this is what this team brings us. And certainly with Halliburton injured, I don't know what their future feels like For them, talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, By the way, I'm going to take heat for getting the schedule backwards, but uh, you notice we're not going to fix it in post. You live and die by a kitten. That's how it works. Uh, I'll, I'll take making a mistake. Let's get into the NFL. Let's get into the playoffs. I, I I could mention the fact that it could have been Indianapolis defeating Cleveland uh, by an unbelievably lopsided amount, but that's not going to happen. I could mention that Miami simply uh, did something to the bed that was unseemly Uh, in losing to Kansas City, which I don't think is a great team. I can discuss the fact that the Detroit Lions have to figure out how to get a defense working in order to stop an offense, Uh, beating the the Rams just barely, 24-23, for their first home playoff win in 32 years. The only game that matters is the Green Bay Packers beating the Cowboys 48-32. Does does, uh, McCarthy still have a job today? The coach of the Cowboys. Um, I don't see how he does. It's just
1: been kind of odd that Jerry Jones has kind of softened, you would think, in his uh, older stages of uh, pulling all the triggers and making all the decisions for that team. But, yeah, I thought really yesterday it probably it went from oh, disappointing loss to embarrassment. we got to get rid of guys. And also, here's another effect, Tony that that embarrassment at home had was Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn had been mentioned in a lot of places, you know, maybe becoming the next head coach, you know, back ready to be become a head coach again, and his defense got absolutely torched. With Dallas, you can just tell, if they don't put pressure on the quarterback, they are not any good defensively whatsoever. Prescott, there's no up and down gauge, and then shrinks when it really matters more at that position. Than Dak Prescott, you saw C.D. Lamb, their wide receiver, who I I would absolutely love here. It's not going to happen, but you see yeah, the frustration that he had, double and triple teamed, and you know how just really overall that game went. So I think there are differences. Jerry Jones certainly has softened at his o- older age, but I would have to think that a loss on an embarrassing level, a loss of that magnitude, probably does begin the stages of making a change because it it was embarrassing it was bad and this is going to be talked about for a while
0: how what are the odds that bill belichick is going to dallas now
1: oh i don't know i i i mean i guess you could say maybe i mean if you wanted to get he i mean he ideally he wants 15 more wins he wants to to overtake Don Shue for the most all time. He also wants to, don't get me wrong, that's not the only reason why he does want to return. But if you're looking for a more of a ready-made, even though we questioned Dak Prescott at quarterback position, then you can look at it that way. I'll give you a couple of other teams we've talked about. Atlanta was one, but they certainly don't have a ready-made quarterback at the level, disappointing as it might be, of Dak Prescott. They got Desmond Ritter and then uh, Taylor Heinicke there uh, probably drafting somebody. And then, you know, you get a team that's actually interviewing today, Jim Harbaugh in Southern California. And that's the charges they do have in Justin Herbert, a ready-made quarterback. They have skilled position players. I mean, in the NFL by standard as quarterback and edge rusher, wide receivers, and then secondary players, they have what it takes. They just have been unable to put it all together. So if Harbaugh maybe doesn't do that, maybe Belichick, that's a good spot for him. But I think it does open the door up to consider a guy like Belichick with what he wants to do, what he wants to accomplish in the latter stages of his career and what is necessary for a quick, disapp- quick turnaround after what was just a massive disappointment. They've had a lot in Dallas in the postseason. That I think was the top of the mountain that we saw in terms of postseason embarrassment yesterday. So Maybe
0: it does make a lot of sense. JMV, I'm saying he's going to get fired. I'm, I'm just calling my. No, no, I think you're right. Yeah,
1: if he hasn't already. Stages of losing, and that was the embarrassing stage.
0: If he hasn't already, JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, ninety-three five one zero seven five. The fan, I appreciate you always, always more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. So uh, my pipes froze. I I have, for the second year in a row, second winter in a row, frozen pipes. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Yes, I dripped them. And yet, here we are with these ridiculously embarrassing, stupid temperatures. Dear Lord, all across Central Indiana, I'm just going to play the where where I'm at, uh, uh, the one below. I think we're gonna get a high today in most parts of, of the state of Indiana, like 11 degrees. Just, just madness. And and last Christmas, because I was away, came back to a flood, water pouring out of the ceiling. Oh, major damage. Uh, my wife, uh, I I of course have books and some religious texts and things like that. My wife is a huge reader. So many uh books from from her history and 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 things that she has enjoyed we lost 300 and, 350 360 books oh just destroyed so slowly <laughs> getting rebuilt now and then uh and then all of a sudden the hot water uh in in our in our master bedroom uh froze up the cold works the hot doesn't so so who knows who knows? I'm going to be playing whack-a-mole with a flood. Where's that busted pipe? If there is a busted pipe. But considering we're not going to see temperatures above freezing uh, until next week. I don't know. Do you, do you get it fixed? Do you just let it be? Or, I, it's going to be? It's going to be an interesting week here at the Cats household. Not much sleep is going to happen because you're always going to be listening for some kind of gushing sound. Which is, of course, the sound of your insurance rates going up. Stay safe out there. It is chilly and it could be dangerous. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.